You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Broncos Audio Zone. I'm Phil Milani alongside Eric Delilo. We're back with another great episode of Broncos Country Throwback. This time, Jim Sakamano is joined by one of the three amigos. Yes, the wide receiver Vance Johnson joins us today, a former second-round pick. Of course, assisted the Broncos to three Super Bowl appearances in the 1980s. We'll hear about his career today, Phil, but also, of course, uh, his post-career. Johnson had a battle with addiction and has since used his experiences to help many others. Uh, So certainly a powerful story there. Excited to hear about it. Jim, take it away. We are very pleased to be speaking now to Vance Johnson on Broncos Country Throwback. Vance, I think that no question you are one of the most popular Denver Broncos receivers in history. And uh, boy, you were just a a bubbly guy and and a great one. Uh, You had quite a career in Denver. Um, and you've had quite a post career. I want to get into all of it, but what some people didn't realize was at some point for a while, you were a troubled guy. You know, Jim, at first, let me say how excited I am to reconnect with you because during that time of my career, you were one of the main people that kept inspiring me and keeping me on the right track, even though I kept falling off to the wrong track. So thank you, Jim Sakamano for uh, still being involved with the Broncos and allowing me to uh, have this time with you. And uh, oh, that's very kind story. of you, Vance. Well, thank you, sir. Absolutely. But yeah, you, you were certainly John Elway's favorite receiver. In my opinion, we had some real good ones. Uh, you know, Mark Jackson, uh, we had Michael Young, but you were the favorite. You were the guy. I appreciate that. I was actually uh, looking at my stats not too long ago and, you know, out of the 128 games I played in 415 yards and uh, just under 6,000 yards and 37 touchdowns, I was like, wow, I was pretty good. <laughs> you were pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. You were really good. I appreciate that. A key player. That. A key was... com... Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that, brother. Oh, no. Just because yeah, a key player for our Super Bowl teams, too, in the 80s. You know, yeah, I really appreciate playing with our John Elway. He was such a leader. In fact, uh, whenever I – and not doing well right now. I think about that game when we played against the Cleveland Browns and how Elway, after we knew in the huddle that we were going to lose the game, we were like on the one-yard line. And for some reason, when John was running back out to the huddle, everyone looked at each other like, oh, my God, John wants to win. We saw it in his eyes. And so that's the type of leadership that teams need, that people need, that this nation needs right now. And I don't want to get mm-hmm. into all that unless we get unless we start talking about it. But it was really awesome to play with guys like, Rulon Jones and, you know, my Migos and Sharp and Atwater, even Butch Johnson was there, Gary Zimmerman. Uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and in post, in your post career, you've been a, a businessman, you were in the trucking industry and you've done a few things. And I think now you, you do uh, really self-help and I, mean, I can't describe it uh, poss- possibly very well, but motivational speaking types of things. Yeah, interesting enough, uh, when, I, when I left my career, and I always try to tell athletes that, you know, don't think that just because your athletic career is over with that your life is done. Because what you learn during your athletic career is how to compete. And so when you get into the real world, you've got one up on most of the people that are out there. Because we have to compete every morning. You're only good as your last catches or as your last play. And so I went out there in the real world, and even though I was struggling a lot, 
after my career was over was because of my identity crisis that, you know, being a ball player and now being nothing, I still worked hard. So I made a lot of money, um, but I really struggled with my mental health and also addiction for a number of years to the point where uh, even one of my own children uh, who I wasn't in their lives because I didn't have really an identity for myself. So I kind of just fed my own flesh by drinking alcohol, smoking weed and doing a lot of things even behind the NFL's back that they didn't know that led me to a point where the struggle was so bad that I started to hide like many former ball players do when we struggle with our mental health and addiction. And I ended up uh, using myself, uh, Jim, into a coma. 28 days, I almost died. I was on the ventilator for about 24 days. So only by the grace of God, after I woke up from that coma, I was able to recognize that I had a serious problem and uh, being a man of faith just cried out and felt like the Lord was telling me, you need to go get help. And after getting help, Jim, I went to Florida for 28 days. And I know this is a long story when we have a short time to talk. But during my career and even after my career, I learned when I was in my treatment program, how many people's hearts that I broke. Do you know I was married uh, seven times during my career? Seven well, I times. didn't know the exact number, Vance, but wow. Well, actually, during and after, four times during my career and then three more times after my career. But there are a lot of people that after I got clean from my drug and alcohol addiction and got help with my mental health issues, I apologize to a lot of people about the harm that I brought in their lives. And even my children, I started to apologize to. And I started to realize, you know, Jim, that after my career was over with that, the whole time I was a Denver Bronco, the whole time I had that platform was for one purpose. And that was to have a mighty fall so that I could be used for a mighty purpose. And like I told you, and you and I are good friends, I want to come back to Denver to fix what I broke. Because people are struggling out there with a lot of different issues with mental health and addiction. And they need somebody. And when they see a former athlete willing to be transparent about it, then I let people know that your transparency will be your transformation. And so that's the reason why I always want to stay connected to our, our Bronco community and Colorado as a whole. Vance, when you were in that coma for 28 days, you had a very, very uh, unusual kind of psychosomatic, um, otherworldly thing happened to you. You open that up. I'm, I appreciate it. I, I try not to talk about that unless someone opens that door. Well, unless you don't want it. to, Vance. Unless you don't no, want to. No, I, I have to. I have to. I just don't want people to think I'm crazy. So I'm glad you asked me the question before I just brought it up. During that 28-day coma, for your, your listeners and my brothers and sisters that are out there, I literally had an outer body experience. I was in a coma, so literally they were waiting for me to die. And at day 24, they pulled the plug on me. They take the, the ventilators out of you, um, and then they prop you up and put some oxygen in your nose, and they watch you die. And I have a deathbed picture of me, actually. During my coma, I saw two of my ex-wives come to say their goodbyes and check in on me. I saw two different pastors, one black man and one white gentleman, came to pray over me, literally. And when I told the people that came into the hospital to check on me after I woke up from the coma, they were like, Vance, how, there's no way you could have seen that because you've been in a coma almost dying for all this time. And they said, but those people were here. And so that's what really freaked people out. Jim, I actually had another experience where I was traveling around the hospital. I was on another I remember floor. this. That's an amazing yep, story. I couldn't get anybody to answer my question. I kept saying, how do I get back to my room? How do I get back to my room? But nobody would answer me. It's almost like they didn't see me. Well, guess what? They didn't. It was me having an outer body experience. And that's how I knew 
after I got clean that, you know what, this life that we live in, this is just a dressing room for eternity, man. This life that we live in is for a purpose. And many of us, just like I was, get very selfish and don't think about other people, just think about feeding my own flesh, and especially during my career. But now I know that because I'm alive, I can use that platform during my career to reach out to offer hope to people. And that's why right now I'm in the business of getting people into treatment and into mental illness hospitals and also into recovery centers. In fact, believe it or not, I've had uh, a couple guys, former ball players, reach out to me just the last couple of days. Uh, one's in California, another one's out in Florida. And I talked to another guy in Minneapolis this morning. So this is all I do is get people into treatment and their loved ones. And uh, if my phone starts to ring, uh, I'll talk to you for a minute and I'll have to call them back. But now that we have the Vance Johnson Recovery Center opening up out here in Las Vegas, where, which, by the way, I'm a prodigal son, because this is where I spent all my Zimmer Bronco money at in Vegas. But now I'm not addicted <laughs> to gambling anymore. <laughs> I'm not addicted to gambling anymore. I got married four times in Las Vegas. I'm not a whore anymore. And I don't drink. I don't do drugs. But I'm in the exact place I need to be so that I can show people by my transparency, we can help you. So if people want to reach out to me, please uh, reach out to the Vance Johnson Recovery Center.com. We have programs around the country, and I'll try my best to get you in wherever we can. That's what I do now. This is going to be for the rest of my life. Vance, do you live in Las Vegas? Believe it or not, I live in Las Vegas. We're finalizing our accreditation period during the COVID-19. Things kind of shut down a little bit. But this is home for me. And when I mentioned to you that I want to come home and fix what I broke, even though we opened up the Vance Johnson Recovery Center in Las Vegas, my ultimate goal is to come back home to Denver and open up another program and live in Denver so I can go do interventions and just be as transparent as possible as a former Bronco. Plus, I got a lot of backing by former Broncos and John Elway and the whole community. So I think it'll be a big thing. Yeah, it's an amazing thing, Vance. I got to say, you know, when you were a player and you were a terrific player, but like a lot of terrific players, they know they're the star and the PR guy is not the star. And sometimes you weren't the easiest guy to get a hold of or, uh, or you know, you're running, you've got an agenda, and maybe doing that interview was uh, on the tough side for me to do. I have never actually worked with anybody who changed as much as you have. In ter- I don't want to say it was negative before. I don't mean that. You just had a different agenda. But now, and I've told people this, I call you and you answer the phone immediately, almost never is it voicemail. And if it is voicemail, <laughs> you call me back, I mean, within one or two minutes. And um, this is no accident because you couldn't make it an accident when you do it all the time. Vance, it's very impressive. Yes, yeah, so, you know, I, I appreciate it. And, and, you know, I appreciate your humility, but I was, a, I was a liar during my career, brother. I was really lying a lot stealing a lot, ripping people off. And I was using my fame and the monies that I was making to manipulate people, even in Colorado. And that's the reason why my only real me was when I was on a football field. Otherwise, everyone saw the edited version of Vance. I even saw some interviews recently, um, brothers that I was interviewed when I was young back then in those days. And they would ask me questions. And I, I said, I, I lied. I said, I didn't do drugs. I said, I didn't drink alcohol. I said, I had no problems. I had no issues. I saw those interviews, and then I also saw some underlying things that I was hiding because of my youth and what I grew up in and around, so I had to kind of make up this identity of the Vance. I don't know if you remember the Vance. Oh, I remember the Vance. Yeah, the Vance actually took over my life, and so I'm just glad he had to go in that coma and almost die so that I could be the real me now, 
and you're right. It, it's it's night and day, but you know, and I'm gonna get kind of I'm gonna get kind of biblical with everybody right now. I'm a man of faith, and I just love my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I am dead to my old ways, and I'm a new creation. So I'm not gonna start preaching at you right now because you guys don't have enough time. But I just want to encourage everyone to just lean on your faith and know that God hears your prayers, even if things don't always turn out the right way. They will if you just keep your faith. And Vance, you know, you you mentioned I was this, I was that. All that matters really is what you are now. That's all that is. This is it. What you are like now, that. not what somebody. The, everything else was a prelude to now, and everything helped make the guy he, that he is now. And that's not always good. Sometimes it's bad. In your case, it's fantastic. I appreciate that. You know, Jim Sagamano, I appreciate that because you saying that to me honestly just really just puts the nail in the in the on the outside of the coffin. <laughs> like yeah, we want to right keep now. on the outside. Turning back to football just a bit, you're the you were the guy who started the three amigos. Tell tell our listeners how that came to be. Oh, they're gonna love this story. So when I was uh the superstar that I was during my career, I always felt like because uh, Mark Jackson was drafted lower than me that I was the greatest and he was less than. And so I took him <laughs> under my wing. <laughs> so I took him under my wing. Well, all of a sudden they were drafting Ricky Nittill in the first round and Mark was excited about it. I was pissed because I was second round. So I went out and I ran the 40 meters the day he was landing, Ricky Nittill. And I said, when that son of a gun gets here, see if he can outrun that. Just because that's how selfish I was. Well, we go to mm-hmm. training camp and me and Mark are roommates. And then Mark becomes friends with Ricky. Well, I don't like Ricky. So I come into the room one night, and Mark's not talking to me. He just goes to his room. And I was watching the movie The Three Amigos, and I thought to myself, you know what? I got to stop. Me and these guys, we got to get along. So I run into Mark's room and say, hey, Mark, I got a great idea. He said, what do you want, man? I said, I'm watching the movie The Three Amigos. Why don't me, you, and Ricky tell the press tomorrow that we're The Three Amigos? And Mark looks at me like, what? He said, listen, they might think the three white boys can be three amigos, My, not three, ne- I, I almost said the word, but not three Negroes. How about that? I'll just use that word. And okay. I said, yes, they will. I said, yes, they will. I'm going to blame it on John Elway. So the next day, I told the press that John Elway called me, Mark, and Ricky the three amigos, and it forced me and Mark and Ricky to say yes, and then all of a sudden, we start hanging out together, and to this day, we're great friends. <laughs> And that's 30 some years. And you, you know, you made a little money. You did some marketing things. You did a poster. That was a big deal uh, for, and we were the only team that the only AFC team to go to the Super Bowl three times in the eighties. The three amigos was a big part of that. Yeah. A really big part of that. And interesting enough. Yes. You know, ironically, uh, Jim, we actually did do posters. We did Taco Bell commercials. We did all these different things nationally, but we got ripped off. We, not one of us made one penny. Our agent took all of it, but you know what? Oh, that's that terrible. Was the important thing. It, it, it was terrible, but it was great. You know why? Because it wasn't about the money. It was about the friendship. Mm-hmm. The, well, the even money to this day, gone, even now. Yeah, right. Because you know, like uh, somebody, you you couldn't say what you spent ten thousand dollars on uh, thirty five years ago, but you still know if you have the if you have the ring or you have the thing that you spent on it, or in this case. The Three Amigos, you cannot write the history of the Denver Broncos without talking about the Three Amigos. Can't be done. Wow. You know what? And you're right. And I'll I'll be honest with you. When I travel around the country, I've been retired for a long time. More people around the country remember me uh, as far as the Three Amigos more than my name. So you're right. You Hmm. can't write the Denver Bronco history without the Three Amigos. 
Another thing about that is Mark Jackson, and I'm sure if you get a chance to talk with him, he'll open up a little bit. But him and I, you know, we had a little split actually after our career was over with. But my friend Oprah Winfrey showed me how to get a hold of him. Mark was living out in Las Vegas at the time. So him and I reconnected. And then Ricky Nattil and I, he's out in Florida, and that's where one of my um, drug and alcohol treatment programs is out there. So he's in Gainesville. So we're staying connected. That's great. That's tremendous. Vance, you you were always one of the most open individuals. And um, and I remember when they started colorizing movies, the media ran to you to ask you what you thought of that. You were just considered <laughs> to be a, a guy who – and. You danced with the Colorado Ballet. Tell us about that. You know, that's interesting that you mentioned that because all these different thoughts are coming to my mind about my career and all the things that I did. I did. I danced with the Colorado Ballet because I noticed that some other former ball players were uh, really good at doing ballet. Even uh, I think it was Herschel Walker actually did a little ballet himself. So I thought, you know, I want to be greater than those guys. So I joined the Colorado Ballet. I was also part of the orchestra there in Colorado. So I wanted to be engaged with anything and any opportunity I could when I lived in Colorado. I even uh, in the Colorado Ballet was, you know, I tell you, I was a whore. I mean, I was dating all these girls and stuff. So I won't get into that part of the story. You got to do a movie about my life one day. (laughs) It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. I was really engaged with everything was happening in Colorado. But again, people were only seeing the edited version because I was a broken person during my career, unfortunately. Car accidents, I don't know if I told you, I got in car accidents, I crashed one time and I ended up going to the hospital and I was drunk and I begged the doctor not to let the cops get me because otherwise I was going to get cut. And do you know, they pushed me and hid me by the morgue. So that the Oh cops my gosh. Me. Yes. And the cops were going to do a raid on the hospital the very next morning and they finally had to turn me over. But because I was Vance Johnson, I didn't get in any trouble. Now, my domestic mm-hmm. stuff was always on there. So there are a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that because there was no social media back then, I didn't go viral like everything is today. Yeah, boy, there were some things, though. I, I do remember it very well. And, uh, and hey, that, that's okay. That's part of what we've tried to do. I don't want to say sweep, sweep things under the rug, but sometimes that's why they gave us rugs. You know, we, we do that a little bit here and there. Um, Vance, what are your yeah. top memories of playing on the field. I mean, you know, the well, my Super Bowl, top, John yeah. Elway, the works. My top memory is this, and the fans are going to love this. So, when it, you, you know, we had to come back, I don't know how many times, to win ball games. Well, mm-hmm. John, the narratives changed in the end of the game. So, in the whole first half of the game, John Elway would just come out, he called the play, ready, break, on one, on two, on three. In the second half, especially when there was any, anywhere from five minutes to one minute left, John wouldn't say the play that way. He would call the play, and he would say, Vance, I'm throwing you the ball. You better catch it. Shannon, you mm-hmm. better catch this ball. He, he would, like, literally yell at the player that he was going to throw the ball at, ball to, and told us, you better not drop it. Ready? Break. <laughs> so the fans well, you know, <laughs> I remember a, a game. You had something like three or four comebacks at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. And now, of course, they got Mahomes and this and that. Well, yeah. but John Elway and you guys owned the Chiefs. And I can remember, like, because I'm with the PR guys and with the media, we go down the field at two-minute warning, and I'm standing with the Chiefs PR. And it seemed like time after time, they'd say, oh, we got him now. We, we got him. This time, we got him. And I remember a couple of games. One, we hadn't scored a touchdown in, like, six quarters. Fans are walking out. And uh, Elway throws two touchdown passes. 
Oh, I think both like over Albert. Um, who do I want to say? Albert, Albert Lewis. Lewis. Yep. Let one of them to you. Yeah, and one Please. of Mark Jackson. Yes. So yes. Let me say about that play. We go down. This is the first time we're really all the way down at the end of the field in, in range to score. And the, and John and the game's almost the over. The fans are leaving. The fans are leaving. Exactly. We were looking at the Oh, yeah. Fans. And John says, Vance, I'm going to throw you the ball, and I want you to pretend like I'm not throwing it to you. I said, John, Albert Lewis is covering me, man. He said, it doesn't make a difference. I'm going to throw it right by his ear. Pretend like I'm not throwing you the ball, Vance. Look on the other side of the field, but when you see the ball get by his head, reach your hand out and catch it really quick. Ready? Break. So, John, <laughs> and I hope people can pull this up because it's on YouTube. John throws the ball right at Albert Lewis's head. And I'm looking across the field pretending like I don't see the ball in the air. And it starts going in slow motion, Jim. And then all of a sudden, when that ball got to Albert Lewis's head, I reached my hand out immediately, caught the ball, and Albert said, oh, my God. He said, Vance, that was the greatest catch on me that's ever happened in my career. <laughs> so that was one of them. Then Houston orders, obviously. You know, John ended up scrambling. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. so, there were so many comebacks. That was, I couldn't wait to the that end That was of the game. another comeback. We're at the two-yard line. It's like the comeback two, if you will. Uh, that's and, right, and yeah. There are two, two times in that one. I remember it's like incomplete on first down, incomplete on second down, incomplete on third down, and fourth down, fourth, what happened? Fourth then? down and 14. <laughs> yeah, John yep, threw a duck. He threw oh, a that duck. Was, that was the worst pass. That was the worst pass I've ever seen in my life. He could never roll out to the left and then throw the ball. But for some reason, it was the perfect timing. I used to, I used to love playing with John. I used to always ask John, John, you know what? Why are you throwing me the ball so late in the game? We, if you just throw me the ball in the first half, we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> well, I remember that one, and that that was just yeah. – it was an ooh and an ah moment. That's one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen the Broncos have. And, and I mean, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, quarterbacks weren't like John Elway. You know, a lot of quarterbacks had no. great ability either to pass or some had ability to run, but John could do both. And he also – that range uh, – He didn't – Crazy. Yeah, he did, he did not lack for courage either. How about – and you'll remember this, Monday night game against the Chiefs. And we're trailing again. We're heading toward the north end zone this time. It's like 35 seconds left. Incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. It's fourth and 10 at like our 35-40. And John doesn't throw a 10-yard pass. He throws a bomb. What are you doing on fourth and 10 throwing a bomb? But he throws a bomb to you. Complete field goal. Thanks for coming, Chiefs. We'll see you next year. (laughs) <laughs> remember that that's exactly right you called the play perfectly i'll tell you at the end of the game john would always tell the person who he was throwing the ball to and you better catch the ball so like i said it's some it's something about leadership that if they stand up and they give you a demand then you come through and so that's exactly how what it was like playing with him now i feel so sorry for him because you know the league is such a mess right now especially right now with the broncos and the loss of an amazing man in pat Boland that a lot of the pressure now is on John Elway to figure out how he's going to come, you know, work this thing out. And so uh, I'm hoping he'll stand up like he did back when we were playing the game and be able to make things happen for the fans this year. Yeah, we all, we all do. And, of course, uh, uh, he's certainly gotten some receivers to go with Drew Locke. So uh, we got some weapons. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. You, and you got to invite me to the game. You're invited. How's that? All right. Hey, Vance Johnson is all John. Vance Johnson is always invited, and you get to go wherever the heck you want to go, whenever the heck you want to go, and that's just the way it is. Awesome. You know sure that has never been any different. And I, I mean, you know, I don't ever want to hear 
that, that Vance Johnson was held back at the door, couldn't get in. <laughs> Jim Sakamano, That's never gonna happen. Man. I, I love you. I love your show. I love what you're doing. And thank you for being a part of the Bronco community for all these years. Well, Vance, thank you. And uh, thank you very much for doing a Broncos Country Throwback podcast. We could talk forever. But um, the, the key thing to me, you were a terrific player, but so what? What I mean is that was a part of your life, and that was then. And, and you know, I think, I think, like you said, you have to look at, at where you are, what you are now. And it's a bigger deal. It was a big deal to support yourself and make money and become famous. Those are all good things. But like you said, to give yourself the platform that you have now couldn't have happened any other way. No, it couldn't happen any other way. In fact, I ended up uh, $985,000 in debt to the IRS by the time oh. my career was, career was over with and just walked away from the game. But in my career now, I'm helping people that are struggling with addiction. So I'd love to uh, let people know how to reach me. If they can go to either my Vance Cares website, vancecares.com, or you go to my Facebook page. I'm actually very transparent. I talk to people that reach out to me to get them help. You can go to my page right now and send me a message. And I'll be sure to answer with less than a day. So it's uh, been a lot of fun. I sure appreciate talking with you today. And I hope someone reaches out so I can really just be a part of what the Broncos are there for. And that's to thank you, Vance. To our community. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's been great talking to you and uh, much appreciated. All the best. And certainly we'll uh, talk many more times in the future. And I look forward to those as well. For now, Vance, thanks, thanks for being on Broncos Country Throwback. That was Jim Sakamano's conversation with Vance Johnson and Phil, you know, obviously an impressive football career for Vance, but uh, maybe what came after, you know, just so much more important uh, and to hear about his work, just really powerful. Yeah. And I think that that's the beauty of this podcast is that us as fans know what he was able to do on the football field, but Jim's able to, uh, catch up with them and uh, get to know what they've been doing since then. And obviously uh, Vance has a powerful story there and uh, hopefully uh, everyone listening could learn something from uh, Vance Johnson there. So uh, you can find this podcast wherever you download all your favorite podcasts. That's on Apple podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. We'll be back next week with another great episode of Broncos country throwback until then for Jim Sacramento, Eric Dalala. I'm Phil Milano.